tuning in to Movie Geeks United special episode uh, tonight. We are recapping the 2018 Atlanta Film Festival, and uh, it's so special that it's just just the two of us. I wish I had some yes. romantic music. Just me. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Is there is there some uh, piano music perhaps that we can have? Ah. Oh. <laughs> How sweet. <laughs> just just uh, just visualize us by candlelight. Oh, oh sorry. I don't, I don't <laughs> okay. All right, so uh we'll go on with the uh with the coverage of the Atlanta Film Festival. This is the forty second one. It is uh is Spearheaded by a great team of people, uh, but its executive director is named uh, Christopher Escobar, and he is just everywhere uh, during this festival, and so is his other, his second, I guess, uh, um, uh, Cameron McAllister, who really also does the Rome Film Festival too in Rome, Georgia. But uh, so he's a busy guy, but. Uh, they were just everywhere hosting things and and hosting Q and A's and just uh, social butterflies and and uh, they're just fantastic and, and tireless. I noticed yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard uh, having done it before and at the Delonica Film Festival uh, two years in a row and uh, so <clears throat> I know that just uh, going through the programming and everything is is. Mind-bogglingly hard, mind-bogglingly hard, but uh, also uh, just uh, the hosting of a film festival is uh, is very much like a ma- the making of a movie in and of itself. Uh, it takes so much energy to uh, to do it, and and when you're done, as I'm sure they are today, <laughs> as we speak, they are totally passed out. <laughs> you know, because yeah, because just. Unless they're still, you know, they could be, uh, could be a few more days for them to pass out because they they have to clean up and stuff, so and have to make sure that everything is is taken care of and returned to its proper order. But uh, so you know, they probably are really busy right now. So, but um, so today uh, we're going to start with a uh, a film that I forgot about last week that was so special that I had to go backtrack and. And mention it because uh, I I just loved it. It was probably it's a it's a short film and it's called Broke, uh, and it's probably about 15 minutes long. So you know I'm making a special. I must have loved it if I am backtracking for a short film. But uh, this is a film by Assad Faruqi, who is uh, uh, Iranian, I believe. Uh, or uh, I, I could be getting that wrong, uh, but definitely Middle Eastern in uh, nature and in uh, origin. And um, this was a wonderful, wonderful short uh, that uh, had probably the best acting of any short film that I saw at the festival, and uh, that's saying a lot because uh, there were some really, really well acted pieces there. Uh, and uh, but this was uh, this was so um, 
bright and wonderful. It was a uh, uh, it really consists of only a few shots, very long shots. So in this case, uh, in this movie, we have a um, a, a Muslim couple. Um, uh, one of them played by its director and writer, um, and uh, they are in therapy, uh, marriage therapy. So the first, uh, you know, seven minutes of the piece, really, is really one single shot, uh, a take that was retaken a few times, but uh, as I found out later on from Assad, uh, and it is the couple in marriage therapy uh, uh, confessing to the uh, therapist who's behind the camera, a female therapist, and uh, she is uh, trying to guide them through their problems. And many of their problems uh, uh, consist of, you know, his, uh, the, the husband's continual uh, disrespect of the, of the wife. Uh, I think he respects her, but he's just uh, simply, he's simply sort of disengaged in somehow. And, uh, and she seems a little bit more serious about things and, you know, what's impressive about this movie is that a lot of short films, uh, I don't think, spend a lot of time in uh, rehearsing their actors. Uh, it's just not something that they're uh, used to doing. They think they all think they can get in front of the camera and just do it, and uh, or maybe the rehearsal is very limited, or maybe it's not just not in the budget or whatever. But uh, uh, Assad here, Assad Faruqi really, who also wrote the piece, uh, is uh, was obviously obviously had this rehearsed down. Um, uh, he you know as as one of the leads, he is uh, uh, he is there. Everybody's on point. Everybody behind the camera, the woman behind the camera, whom we never see. Uh, and it, this is basically consists of only three shots. They push they push in closer. Assad pushes in closer towards the end of the film. But uh, it is generally a two-shot, and it is just so riveting. It's like uh, it really is like something out of like Cassavetes or something. You know, what, what else can you say? You know, I mean, it's when you see something so real and so authentic, so true, um, it uh, it just blows you away. You know, because uh, you, you just uh, sometimes you just don't expect it. You know, at a film festival, you know, you uh, you do expect it, but sometimes you're disappointed with uh, short films, and and so when you see one with this strong acting, which is the number one deficit of most short films, uh, you just have to, and the writing, and uh, just the reality of it, you just have to like stand up, you know. So Was it meant uh, to be, is it meant to be like a the groundwork for a feature version or? I think it would be a great feature, but uh, you know, I, I think it would be a fantastic feature. Um, as uh, you know, probably if they expanded it, uh, if Assad expanded it, or or uh, broke out of the room that they're in a little bit, um, I think that would be a great choice because uh, I thought it was absolutely riveting, and uh, and uh, it played uh, it played in front of. Uh, Played in front of Poor Jane, uh, which I reviewed last week and loved. 
uh, uh, Katie Hoyle's movie, and it was a perfect combo. You know, uh, it, was, it was just perfect. Uh, so absolutely knockout, uh, um, double bill there uh, at the Atlanta Film Festival. Uh, so <clears throat> on on to um, what I saw later in the festival. I saw a film called Prison Logic. Now this is this is by a gentleman named Romney Malco, uh, black actor and uh, director and writer whom we might know as Jay from 40, The 40-Year-Old 40 Virgin, but he was also Zeke in Think Like a Man. He was in Las Vegas uh, with uh, Michael Douglas and De Niro and Morgan Freeman and Kevin Kline. Um, and uh, he has now – and he's in the new uh, Night School, the uh, Kevin Hart movie um, that isn't out yet. Uh, he's got quite a pedigree. Uh, he was on the in the Duff, and uh, which I loved, a little uh, high school movie from a few years ago, and Almost Christmas, which was a wonderful uh, indie movie uh, from 2016. But uh, <clears throat> this uh, is a story of a um, a prisoner named uh, Tijuana Jackson. <laughs> And uh, he is ensconced in prison as the movie begins, and uh, he's about to get out. Uh, he's about to get out on parole, and uh, his uh, uh, he's got a wife and a family at home. Uh, his uh, his wife is uh, played by Regina King, uh, or oh, Regina Hall, sorry, and um, uh, he's got a. <laughs> living with his mother, uh, taking care of her, and she's very funny in it. She's played by Lynn Odoms. And then uh, he's got a young son, uh, played by Alcoya Brunson. And, okay, so he gets out. It, it seems a little shaky at times. Uh, there's a lot of arguing in the film. So, so the dialogue is pitched up really high. It's uh, since everything is pitched up really, really high, and this uh, it, it tires you out a little bit, and as a result, it's sort of ironically, uh, in a strange way, uh, the movie kind of runs out of gas in a scene where the main character runs out of gas in his car. Um, but uh, I digress. Tijuana Jackson gets out of gets out of jail and looks to get started. Uh, to apply to be a subject in a reality show um, that wants to concentrate on uh, prisoners that are, have gotten out, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. I could be wrong there. But it's definitely he's, his, his goal is to be part of a reality show. And so uh, the, <clears throat> the camera that's following him is – uh, is controlled by a uh, a student, a film student, who has her crew uh, going to follow him on his days outside of the prison. So this this is a comedy. Now I want to let you know this is a comedy. It is really funny. Romney Malco is hysterically 
uh, funny in it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the whole cast really uh, is very, very good. And uh, the when we're still in prison, even the uh, prison uh, warden, uh, uh, the white prison warden, female prison warden was uh, is very good in it and uh it's it's quite funny as it begins as you're getting to know Tijuana Jackson and getting to know his uh, rhythms and so forth and it's really good to see Romney Malco in in a, in a good a good piece always and uh this is, again is one that he directed and wrote and uh it seems to have been a little while in the working, maybe maybe started off as a short, and then grew to a fe- feature later on. But uh, <clears throat> it is it is very very good, except except to say that it does tire us out a little bit. However, <clears throat> the camera work is terrific in it. You know, this is the kind of movie where, you know, they since they're doing a documentary type style. Uh, it could get too shaky uh, with the camera, and because uh, they're trying to re- recreate that feel of uh, cinema verite or whatever, and uh, they don't go overboard on that. And in fact, Romney Malco is real smart in in some parts to not stick with the handheld camera in certain points later on in the movie, but to go on to the sticks. And uh, especially during scenes that of particular import, uh, uh, we uh, we get a break from the handheld, and a break also from the yelling and the um, and the chaos. I guess I do wish that it was just a tiny bit better, but the cast is terrific in it, and so uh, I would I would give a reserved recommendation. For uh, for prison logic. Okay, uh, I'm moving on, and I won't spend much time on this one because this is going to be a negative review. <laughs> but uh, there's a uh, there's a track in this uh, film festival uh, that deals with uh, films from Latin America, and it's a particular uh, love of of uh, Christopher Escobar because uh, he is he is of uh, you know that. Descent, and so, um, uh, so he likes to uh, run a track that uh, that focuses in on certain uh, Latin American films that uh, you know may have gone under the radar, and so this one that I'm going to talk about now is and uh, is a, a drama called Tigre, and it is um, <clears throat> it is a, a, a I think it's an Argentinian movie. Uh, it's directed by Ulysses Pora and uh, Salvina Schneiser, uh, who is also the writer. And it stars uh, Ernella de Elia as the grandmother of a uh, family uh, trying to escape the city uh, in Argentina, I guess Buenos Aires. And uh, deciding to take up on a remote jungle island, uh, uh, she's got some. She's got a lot of young granddaughters, and her daughter 
uh, who's in her 40s and is uh, lonely. Uh, has, they've all joined them, joined her on the island, and uh, and also her son, uh, who is extremely um, unhappy uh, in his life and uh, is uh, is incredibly, I guess, uh, f- feels uh, feels. Uh, sort of left behind in uh the in his mother's world uh so okay so already when i'm describing this you might be thinking of something like the mosquito coast and uh if you're a listener of the show you know that uh generally a rule of mine is i really don't like movies that remind me of better movies um so that was a problem with this, just right from the outset. And I really got very tired of the film because it did not really change up its sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, sleepy kind of quality. Uh, you know how some foreign language movies can kind of get into the quietude of things. And this one definitely does. It's got beautiful photography of the jungles and everything, but it's also strange because they really focused in on close-ups a lot and didn't really utilize the wide shot to show the beauty of the forest, which I don't know why you would go into a jungle setting to go shoot your movie and then not utilize more wide shots in order to show the beauty of the jungle. I just don't understand that. Why would you shoot the entire thing in tight close-ups, even when you're in, uh, uh, you know, exteriors and so forth? It's uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So I felt that it was. Uh, it thought, I thought that visually, directorially, it felt. Uh, it felt uh, sort of like a sketch or something. Like it had not. Uh, it had not been fully thought out and so uh so for that reason i i just um you know sort of checked out and i could tell by the way i should tell you it was the kind of movie i could tell uh this is going to be bad it's going to it's not going to turn out good teenage girls on the island there's there's teenage boys on it that are you know killing animals and and are are not do not look uh do not seem from the outside as uh very caring individuals and uh and uh it's just like I could see where it was gonna go. And it definitely does go there and it uh it it I guess uh explodes into kind of a uh, kind of a horrible ending and I could see that coming and uh but uh yeah I can't uh you know if you're interested in jung- jungle life in Buenos Aires or whatever around uh, in in that part of the world, uh maybe but uh, for me, it just uh, just didn't work. So moving on now to the next feature that night. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud is directed by Brett Haley, who uh, you might know from uh, uh, such such movies as I'll See You in My Dreams with uh, Black Danner and, and The Hero uh, uh, with uh, Sam Elliott. That's two of our favorite movies of recent times. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud stars Nick Offerman, extremely popular actor, pe- almost almost cultishly popular. You know, 
uh, as a uh, owner of a music store in a uh, part of New York called Red Hook, and it's Red Hook Music. It's the name of the music store. It's a it's basically a deserted out, out you know place where they mostly have high vinyl, you know. And he's a, a musician that had a one time you know pop you know semi popular uh, uh, new wave band back in the eighties uh, and and uh, but has uh, has basically just sort of retired into doing the record store thing and now that that industry uh seems that kind of business seems to be kind of dying uh he is uh he's he's almost finds himself you know unmoored without any kind of place to go and he has a mixed race uh daughter uh, his uh his wife passed away in a bicycle accident uh many years before and the daughter's played by Kiersey Clemens uh who uh, some people might know from a movie called Dope, which was really wonderful that I loved a few years ago. Um, well, she plays uh, she plays his daughter, who uh, you know, in certain scenes of the movie, some of the best scenes in the movie have he and his daughter collaborating on music together. And if you're a music fan you, uh, and you're you're a musician yourself. You know how invigorating that can be to a relationship, whether it be friends or family members or whatever. How's it going, kiddo? It's jam sesh time. No. Come on. When jam sesh time arrives, we have to put aside childish things like homework and med school. Please don't touch my thing. It's jam sesh time. I have to close the shop. I'm sorry, Frank. I held off on raising the rent as long as I could. I mean, it's time. My girl starts UCLA in the fall. You can't make your heart feel like what? Just a bunch of words. I want it that way. They want what? What way? I'm sorry, are you bringing up the Backstreet Boys? It's actually a pretty good song. We don't always get to do what we love, so we need to love what we do. I never realized that was your secret. Yep. We've been trying to start a band with me since I was like 12. We're not a band. We're not a band. I like it. I don't want to be in a band. And even if I did, I'm not going to be in one with my dad. Usual for you? What is this? New indie mix on Spotify. This is my band. You guys, this is my band. This is my band! Okay, so what do we do now? I mean, we could write another song. This is so good. You wrote this. Yeah. With my dad. Sam talks to me now like she's the adult. It's just a way of making it easier for you when they leave. We right Maybe you could take a year off and we'll see what happens. Are you suggesting that I don't go to college so that I can stay and be in a band with you? You have the same thing that your mother had. And if she were here right now... No, you don't get to do that! Soon I won't be by your side, give me I've been here my whole life. I want something different. It's time to get away. Let's just do our thing. What thing? We've never done this before. Let's just do what we always do. Just in front of some people. Hey, that's what bands do, right? Uh, he has a... He has a... Gets her on the midi, and uh, she starts 
sampling things and uh, creating music tracks, and he has some lyrics, and he puts and he plays the guitar, joins in on that. She she takes care of the rest of the stuff and the vocals. Now these vocals are done by Kiersey Clemens, and she is spectacular in it. And I will tell you this too, that the songs are pretty good. Uh, you know, could could be in the running for a best song Oscar. Who knows? Uh, just to let you know, there are uh, there are other stars in the movie. Uh, Tony Collette plays uh, Nick Offerman's sort of tentative girlfriend. Is she a friend? Is she a girlfriend? We don't know. It hasn't gotten to the to a certain point yet, but she's definitely she's definitely a very good friend and a confidant to him. And uh, Ted Danson plays the owner of a local bar that they go and hang out at, and uh, Blythe Danner plays their uh, uh, Offerman's shoplifting mother, <laughs> eccentric shoplifting mother. And of course, Blythe Danner was the star of uh, of a previous Brett Haley movie. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, it's got, it's got a good pedigree, and I will also tell you that the girl uh, who plays uh, Kiersey Clemens' girlfriend is also very good. I wish there were more scenes between Kiersey Clemens and Sasha Lane, and maybe fewer scenes with uh, maybe the older cast, which is a rare thing for me to say, uh, but... I really, really responded to their relationship together and wanted to know more about it, and uh, and uh, think uh, I think the movie's <clears throat> primary goal, really though, was to explore uh, the uh, sort of unifying uh, the unifying effect of music in relationships. So, uh, so you know, Brad Haley's movie is. Uh, it's missing something, and the thing it's missing is, I think, just just real authentic laughs. This is the kind of movie you expect to laugh in. It's got that kind of tone to it, but I really didn't find uh, that much laughter in it. Um, again, it's also a movie that reminds me of many other movies. You know, this is the kind of thing that... You know, we've seen a lot, and but uh, uh, particularly it reminded me of something like We Are the Best uh, from Lucas Moodyson a few years ago with the 15-year-old girls trying to be uh, punk rockers, uh, picking up their guitars for the first time, and uh, just, just sort of trying to stumble their way through uh, being musicians and uh, really kind of in the process uncovering uh, real real talent and real, uh, real inspiration. Uh, but I would also uh, throw in, a, uh, you know, many other movies like Sing Street is a great example of a, a you know, fifteen-year-old uh, discovering the uh, the exciting possibilities of playing music. Uh, but uh, that movie had even better songs <laughs> than the, that are in this, and. Uh, the song that's that the title song um, is uh, you know is very very good, but it doesn't need to be repeated three times. <laughs> and uh, there's a few other songs in it 
uh, uh, Keegan DeWitt is the is the music supervisor and and uh, has done things for you know the past uh, like the Hero and Morris from America and Listen Up Philip. Uh, so uh, so the music is in good hands uh, and the performances are really good. I just wish that the the movie had was funnier. Really, that was my big big problem with it. It was very very well made. And it would be good for a family on a weekend, uh, and uh, so in that way, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, my review would be a kind of a tentative, like it's okay, you know, um, but uh, I wouldn't go nuts over it. Okay. It opens on June eighth. June eighth. Okay. So that's good. That's good to know. Um, okay. So moving on now. This will be perhaps a harder movie for people to see, but this was a this was a world premiere, so we don't really know what the what the what the process is going to be. But the film is called Still, and it is by a newcomer, uh, Takashi Dosher. Uh, he is a Georgia filmmaker. And this was, like I said, a premiere, so it was very well attended by the cast and crew. It stars uh, Madeline Brewer and Nick Blood, who we some people might know from uh, uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on television. Um, and uh, they play a, a an Appalachian couple uh, living in uh, living in sort of the the wilds of the mountains, the very, very green mountains, called Blood Mountain, actually. It's near a mountain called Blood Mountain. And they're living out there running a still. Uh, so they sell moonshine to make their living. We're in the 30s, and uh, they are uh, visited uh, by a kind of a, uh, well, she seems like she's stepping out of some other era, really. But her name is, uh, the actress's name, actually we never learned the character's name, at least as far as I can tell. But uh, her, the actress's name is Lydia Wilson. She's a, uh, she's about, she seems like she's about 10 years younger than our protagonists, uh, who are, I should say, the uh, Lily and Adam, the two characters, the two main characters that are living out there in the jungle. Uh, another jungle movie, by the way. They're cheap to make. That's why they're out there. But, uh, okay, so uh, they're living out there, running the still, and their marriage is not very happy. Uh, they are they are not getting along. They seem very, very distant to each other. When Lydia Wilson, uh, Wilson's character stumbles into their lives, it feels like she's come from another era. Really, we're, feels like we're in the 30s when we're with those guys, uh, the, the couple. But to when uh, it feels like another era has broken in when uh, when she comes on their property and she's got drug problems um, and uh, prescription drug problems, and so uh, she kind of comes in and stumbles in and kind of passes out in the in their uh, shack or whatever. And uh, in the in the process of the movie, uh, she strikes up a real relationship with uh, Madeline Brewer's character, and uh, sort of a kinship. And uh, in a 
interesting turn in the movie. They uh, they have a threesome. <laughs> they have a threesome, and uh, and then even in a more interesting turn, the characters reappear, and now we seem to be in a different story. And this is a story that takes place in the present. Now, at the very beginning of the movie, we see two hikers going through going through this part of the wilderness, and they also seem like they've stumbled in from another era. And so we're discombobulated by the film. This is a little bit of uh, a little touch of science fiction in this, a little bit, a little touch of fantasy in this. And in the second part of the movie, we are in what feels more like present day. Uh, And uh, we're exploring other characters played by these people. And they are um, going through a lot of the same problems. So basically, Takashi Dosher's movie, to me, comes out as feeling like a movie about lives being relived in perhaps reincarnation. Uh, so it's a it's a beautiful looking movie. I will tell you that right now. The uh, photography is by Philip Wages. Uh, the music is fantastic. It's a, it's got a great score. Uh, the uh, the editing. And the location work, you know, working in the it's filmed here in Georgia, so it's filmed in North Georgia, and uh, uh, so that lo- the location work is incredibly well done. The uh, the production design is authentic, so it's the costume design. This is hard stuff to do for a little indie like this uh, to get all of this stuff right, even with a small cast like they have, is difficult. You know, no money. Uh, they're just they're just out there in the middle of nowhere sweating it out and so I'll tell you you know I mean I think this is a I think still is a very very worthwhile film for a lot of reasons uh, I if I had one complaint about it I wish it had more laughs in it I wish it had one laugh in it uh, maybe maybe it has one but it kind of gets oppressively serious and uh, that that's probably the worst thing I can say about it. Uh, but uh, you, you will need to pay attention in it. Uh, but it did end up winning the Best Georgia Feature. So uh, so that's really something to say, and congratulations to, to, to Takashi and his crew for and his cast for, uh, you know, again, climbing that mountain, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Blood Mountain at this point. So, uh yeah, it's it's good, you know. Uh, I don't know what the release schedule is going to be. Again, it's a brand new movie, so maybe they don't even know yet. But uh, the movie is called Still. Um, so, um, moving on. Um, okay, so um, I'm saving the last two features. <clears throat> I'm, we've got two more feature movies to go to. Uh, but I do want to pay attention to my favorite shorts program uh, in the in the festival. It is the 
shorts by female directors. And my theory about female directors is always that they have more of a sense of what good acting is and how important it is to a film than some male directors because I think the male directors kind of get wrapped up in the technology. They want to conquer that stuff. And uh, I think they, some the male directors sometimes, new male directors sometimes forget about the importance of acting and rehearsal and uh, such things. So, <clears throat> so when I saw that uh, a certain uh, had a certain spot that was open in the festival, and uh, I said, "Oh my God, the the female directors." Shorts. Oh yeah, I'm going to that. It's a long program, a long program. It was two and a half hours long. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm going to go into this and uh, just try and do this very quickly, as quickly as I can. But uh, I really want to. I'm going to talk about all of the movies on on the thing from various degrees. But the last one, I'm saving the last one for a specific reason. Uh, Okay, so the first one is called Pas Papa, and it is by Tamara Vitoz. Uh, it is uh, it is uh, a, a French film. Uh, I could be getting the nationality of it wrong, but it is uh, about a um, a woman uh, dealing with a broken marriage and a uh, and a scary dad <laughs> and. Uh, this this woman, in order to cheer her uh, her daughter up, brings in some her, of her um, uh, performer friends, friends that are cross dressers and so forth, to come in and sort of cheer her up. This uh, sort of reminded me of a Takashi Kitano movie called uh, uh, Kikajiro from a few years ago. But they come in and kind of uh, cheer her up and. Uh, this uh this film was uh you know it was uh you know it was beautifully done you know the fi- father is 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 violent uh and uh uh the mom keeps pushing her uh to forget he exists uh but still you know the the girl has sort of dreams of meeting him and uh because it's from France, it's 24 minutes long. Okay, uh, so uh, it's it's really well done. Uh, all of the movies on this program, for uh, for various reasons, were uh, terrifically uh, well done. Uh, a few of them really knocked it out of the park. The second one from Greece by Alina Fassa called tracks and uh we've got a mother who is uh trying to cope uh uh you know the uh the uh the mother's uh there's a uh, an accident where she learns uh helps them all learn what they are made of you know their metal uh this is another example of a uh of a movie that uh has a you know a sort of an absent father and a mother that's kind of uh you know 
under the gun in a lot of ways. And uh, I I really enjoyed this one as well. It's called it's called Tracks, and it's by Alina Fasa, and uh, it's from Greece. And so it's always you know it's fun to go to different places in a in a uh, in a festival program. And this one definitely took us around the world. The third one is uh, was refreshing because it was not only animated; it was a American production. Uh, it is called it is called uh, uh, Highlight. Is that what it is? No, no, it's called Nevada. Sorry, and Nevada uh, stars uh, uh, a couple of uh, great, you know, new actors. As uh, as the voices of what's well, a stop motion animation movie, really frankly, and so that that really intrigued people. But it's also deeply about sex, basically. And uh, so the two characters in it are a couple, unmarried couple who are in love, and are having they're nude throughout. Uh, again, stop motion animation. Uh, with uh, animated eyes and mouths, uh, drawn animation. And um, <clears throat> the dialogue uh, by in this movie, which is, uh, I think, direct, by director uh, Emily Ann Hoffman, um, is, is quite good. Uh, this is a 12-minute short. But basically, we start the movie with uh, the couple in a bed, uh, and they've just had sex, and uh, <laughs> the condom comes off, and uh, so they start worrying about, uh, well, maybe we should get a new brand of condoms. <laughs> so the guy goes out looking for condoms, and, and uh, you know, he's looking at the each box, and we hear a voice saying, oh, we're the big condoms, you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then he's then he goes back and he has a debate with her about about the condoms and about about birth control and what if the, and do they even need birth control? What if they had a child and uh, what would that be like? What what would they how would they be as as parents and are they ready to be parents? And so you can see where this little twelve minute animated short stop motion really. Uh, goes places that a lot of stop motion animated movies don't go. Uh really a lot of uh you know live action movies don't go to this place. Uh where it really deeply uh considers the uh the possibilities and the responsibilities that come with uh not only parenting but also sex. Uh and so in that way, it was, uh, and in a technical way too, it was quite, uh, quite beautiful. Uh, it's again not a movie. It's, I'm glad they didn't put it in a kids' block, of course, you know, animation. But uh, you know, it was, uh, it was the true definition of adult animation and uh, and just adult filmmaking in general. And and the audience really loved it. It had big laughs in it. And boy, we needed those laughs at that point after the previous two movies, which were pretty serious. And and uh, you know, so we'd have four, you know almost in forty-five minutes of pretty you know pretty heavy seriousness. And so we needed to let us let us some steam. And the next movie, 
after that is a movie by uh, uh, Sharzad uh, Dadgar. And uh, this is from Iran. So this is an Iranian film uh, filmmaker, Iranian female filmmaker. Um, and the name of the movie is called Highlight. And that, that title comes from its setting, which is in a beauty parlor right before the main character is out to uh, get married. Uh, it's, uh, the main character is played by Nassim Andavi, and uh, her friend is uh, uh, Banaz Jafari, and uh, it's a big cast of girls, uh, you know, conferring before the main character is getting married, and uh, uh, it's heavily, heavily dialogue-driven. Now, let me tell you something about my watching of these movies. I was sitting in the in the back of the theater because so I didn't want to annoy people with my light as I'm like making notes and stuff like that. So I decided to uh, move up closer to the screen in order to use the screen's light for my notes. And also there was there was a <laughs> there was a worker like a, a volunteer, and I completely understand this. There was a volunteer behind us who. Uh, I guess was taking a break, you know, in between shifts or whatever, and was back there like crunching away on some uh, some potato chips or something. And I was like, ah, I got to get away from this. So I went back, went up front, and uh, sort of a big mistake because these, these were mostly all uh, subtitled titles. You don't want to sit on the front row of a subtitled movie. <laughs> you would think that uh, by this time, after seeing like thousands and thousands of movies, this is something that had been ingrained in me. However, it's been a long time since I've seen a subtitled movie at a, at, at a theater, and certainly from the front row of a theater. So, <clears throat> though, you know, the front row was fine just for looking at the pictures, for reading subtitles in a heavily, heavily dialogue-driven movie. Uh, was rough because uh, it was very fast dialogue uh, and uh, extremely well performed, uh, and uh, but but I had trouble keeping up with what was happening uh, because I couldn't catch all of the all of the subtitles. So that's a lesson: don't sit on the front row of any foreign movie <laughs> unless it doesn't have any dialogue in it or something, because you know you're going to regret it. Uh, but this was uh, filled with uh, filled with uh, great acting and terrific, uh, terrific, really terrific dialogue. So, uh, so I give complete credit to this. Again, this, they're preparing. The main character is preparing to get uh, get married, and uh, a good subtitle for this movie would be "Secrets and Lies," because almost all of the characters have secrets and are telling lies. Uh, so uh so keep an eye out for it uh highlight is uh, from 2017 and uh the director is uh Shahzad Dadgar so i hope i'm saying it right and and the co-writer is uh, uh Panty Hosseini so uh it's uh, it's really a terrifically well-made movie and uh it's been in a lot of festivals uh, around the world and so and deservedly so. Um, the and it's not to be confused with another movie that's out there 
called Highlight. Which is which that? Is about, it's about the kids' ma- magazine. Uh, that I used to see them all the time in doctor's office. Oh, yeah, Highlight. Highlight magazine? Yes. Yeah, yeah Highlight. Highlight, yeah. Yeah. They've made a yeah. movie about the magazine. Oh, really? <laughs> Goofus and Gallant. Yeah. Do you remember that? Goofus and Gallant? Goofus was the one that did things wrong, <laughs> and Gallant was the one that did things yeah. right. Yeah. I don't know. I never really had a childhood, but I remember seeing <laughs> the, the magazines every time I go to the doctor's office. So every, every yeah. time I see that magazine, I think of just hating the doctor's office. It doesn't give me a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. I, you know, Highlights Magazine did make an impression on me. Uh, yeah, and you're right. They were at doctor's offices mainly. And uh, yeah. it'd be interesting to go back and revisit those, uh, I think. Uh, so, is that a feature? I think so. I think it's something that premiered at Tribeca. Oh, uh, uh, or is – is no, it already did, I think. They say it's a very well, slight movie. But, uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Just so, uh, not to, did, it, uh, did it not get good notices or uh, a slight in terms it, of it, just – Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. It's not uh, – it's not – Revelatory. It's not uh, okay. passable. Okay. Uh, still, it does seem like, uh, as we will find later on in, in this uh, piece uh, that we're doing now, we'll, uh, it does seem like there's a certain uh, reexamination coming uh, for uh, that era of childhood. <laughs> those, yeah. those things that we consumed. You and I consumed in our childhood uh, in Dr. Fox's and at the TV. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, I the the fifth movie was the one that I <clears throat> that I liked the least. It was from India. It was by uh, Rima uh, Sangupta and her, Gupta Sangupta, and the name of the movie is Counterfeit uh, Kung Fu and. After the thir- almost 30 minutes of the highlight movie, uh, I was worn out by <laughs> by subtitles. I was like, uh, this is, I'm, a, I'm a bad place. I didn't want to get up and move again. Uh, so I just uh, I, I stayed. And um, uh, this was, a, a, well, I'll read the log line here. In a city that houses mi- uh, millions, Sanita, uh, finds herself fighting beasts of a different kind as she discovers a strange prerequisite to renting a house in middle class Mumbai. So she tries to she's trying to go out and rent and she has to deal with a variety of uh <coughs> distasteful uh you know uh renters uh who uh are looking to take advantage of her sexually or maybe even financially as well or uh, whatever. And uh, I will not say that I did not like the thing. Um, I think in a context of just watching it by itself, I think I would have uh, taken to it more. Uh, However, I found myself, my mind sort of drifting in a way. And so uh, I can only... I can only attribute that to two things. I can either say, I can say, well, I was tired, <laughs> which is definitely possible. Although, you know, as you will find, uh, I 
I will explain why I don't think that was the case. I do think that the film was strongly acted, strongly directed. Uh, however, I I felt like it was a little aimless. Uh, and so uh, even even for a 15-minute piece, uh, I felt uh, I felt felt my mind drifting uh, and if it uh, I've definitely seen enough movies and short film, films to know that if my mind is drifting <clears throat> it's either a problem with the programming or uh, or, or or the film itself uh, so uh, this is not a movie that I would have not programmed uh, I would have however maybe on the for the uh, relief of the audience, uh, the American audience at least. Um, I would have maybe programmed another English language short to give them kind of a break uh, in in the uh, in the reading and in the because uh, uh, <clears throat> you know you're already taxed in, during a shorts program because you have to recalibrate at the beginning of every piece. You have to recalibrate. Uh, you know, narratively and uh, emotionally, and you're brought to an emotional high, and then you're brought down very quickly, and so uh, so you have to just start over every when every short comes up, and this is why shorts programs are very tiring. They can uh, they can knock you out for the rest of the day. So that's a that's a tip for the film festival goer to. Uh, make sure that you pace yourself uh, in watching uh, films at a film festival. It's better to start off with features and then go to a short thing to sort of uh, to sort of wrap the night up because they will knock you out and uh, you know in energy and uh, you will go home and you will want to pass out. So, but that said. Um, one of the best films that I saw at the festival, and certainly my favorite, uh, my very favorite short film, is a film from Taiwan in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a co-production uh, directed by Yin Ju Li, Taiwanese filmmaker who was there at the festival. And the film is called To Pluto. That is its English language title. Uh, is uh, its t- Taiwanese title is, uh, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's uh, Ming Yang Shen Tu. So, okay, so it's called To Pluto, and basically, I'll read the log line here, so I don't have to like make this up as I go along. A nurse who finds herself stuck in her current job and in a dying long-distance relationship, meets a cancer patient who is trying to find the family he abandoned before it's too late. Okay, so the cancer patient is on the deathbed. And uh, the film starts out uh, very much like, uh, it didn't particularly remind me of a Terrence Malick thing, but, uh, you know, it, uh, it starts out, in the universe, and it's examining the planet Pluto, which, uh, as all Scorpios know, has been uh, was was degraded a few years ago by astrologers or whatever or astronomers as uh, uh, no longer a planet. It's too it's too small to be a planet. Well, uh, 
<clears throat> so, you know, as we all know, that every star sign is, uh, you know, astrology sign is uh, is has a controlling planet, and uh, the planet that controls Scorpios is Pluto, and so all Scorpios are completely outraged, and and I say this as a Scorpio, uh, are completely outraged that our planet has been has been denigrated in this way, and so uh, so that's one of the things that this uh, film uh, discusses is uh, is uh, basically how come us Scorpios don't get any respect, you know how why why is it you know. If you uh if you're a Scorpio out there you will know that when someone asks what your sign is and you tell them and they you say I'm a Scorpio and everybody goes ooh you must be weird you know uh I get that all the time and I'm like well I guess I'm as weird as just anybody else is am I particularly weirder because I'm a Scorpio um I don't know I'm, uh, you're a Scorpio too, aren't you, Jamie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't attribute I don't attribute my weirdness to my sign. <laughs> but uh, you have so read. You've read about being, you know, the the uh, attributes of a Scorpio. Do you do you when you read those things? And I'm not just talking about your daily horoscope, but your yeah, your um. You know, personality like a personality trait. profile, temperament, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 accurate. It is, isn't it? I've always found yeah. it was. Um, I mean, how would you characterize our, um, you know, how Scorpios our race are? Huh? <laughs> our our astrological race. Yes, I mean, like, how would you characterize? Uh, how we're portrayed uh, astrologically. Well, uh, I mean, certainly eccentric, but also creative and impassioned and uh, uh, at times volatile. Uh, you know, just high, 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 high emotion, I think, is what uh, I've always understood the sign to be. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, I, I, and, and so do you, uh, you, you find that that's true, right? Because I, I certainly do. Oh, I'm a man of great passion, yes. <laughs> <laughs> as we know from this show and uh, and many and many uh, many aspects that we won't go into right now. But you know, it's true that uh, it's true. We're passionate, you and I. And isn't isn't Jerry one as well, or is he? I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, what he. What, I, I, I never I never pay attention to signs and when it stops and starts. From one month to another, I I don't know. I don't know. I think okay. his birthday's in November. His birthday November? It would. Well, then he might very well be a Scorpio as well. So that might be why we've been on the show for ten years. We show this passion that we have for movies. Yeah. But uh, okay, so this is a great movie. It's called To Pluto, and if you are a Scorpio, you must seek it out and. Uh, uh, the uh, director um, Yin Zhu Li um, that is Y-E-N dash J-U Li L-E-E 
she uh, was there at the festival, and uh, you know it's funny. You know I've uh, never reacted to a movie like this. I was like, oh my god! Just the moment the title came, I was like, oh, that's my planet. And then uh, and then uh, this thing's about Scorpios, and I was like, wow, I love it. And even though I was still up close and having trouble with having subtitle fatigue and and having trouble in a little bit, I still like. I loved it, and I, she's of course, I had to go up and say something. If I, you know, it was emotional, I'd get emotional. And I just said, wow, thank you for making that movie for us. You know, that movie just really spoke to me. I cannot wait to see it. I want to see it again uh, so fast. And she said, I will send you a link and everything. And, um, well, Yinju and I really hit it off very well. And, uh, you know, uh, two Scorpios conferring about our Scorpio-ishness. And, and, uh, and then, you know, too, uh, as Scorpio, you know, sometimes we have trouble, like, connecting with large groups of people at once and stuff. And it, it, we're better, I think, one-on-one. And, uh, and it's, uh, we like to hear everything. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, – we're just an odd race of people, and I think everybody knows that, and that's a little disturbing too, knowing that everybody knows that you're odd. So, uh, but uh, I felt such a kinship with her, and even though <clears throat> this was the last night of the festival, and this was the last program of the festival that I watched, uh, I. Uh, I just said, uh, I, I can't watch any more movies. I, I'm going to burn out. Uh, you know, I'm going to get very impatient with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, uh, be able to watch anything else. So some of the winners of the, the, the winner of the narrative prize was a, uh, Latin American movie, uh, that, uh, I don't have the title here right now, but, I did meet the filmmaker, and uh, we're going to have contact with her, and eventually I will see it. And then the uh, winner of the documentary prize was a movie called Man Made about uh, transgender bodybuilders. Uh, and uh, I wasn't quite in the mood for that on the last night, and I wanted to be I wanted to be social, so I went out to the party, which was a beautiful party. They have. The Atlanta Film Festival has incredible parties. I mean, let me tell you, they just really know how to do it. So the party was at a place called uh, the Establishment in Buckhead, uh, the fancy area here, uh, fancy party area, rich people area. And uh, uh, and then the previous night, just to stay on the party track a little bit, uh, we went out to a place called Third Rail Studios, which was this was well I'll talk about this in a little bit but uh, it was another great party um okay so Yinju and I really really hit it off and and just uh I think we've just got a lifelong friendship she's from the London Film School and the thing I knew about London Film School is that one of its main uh one of its main I guess uh, benefactors or whatever instructors is Mike Lee. How do I know that from from a a Greece a filmmaker from Greece named Jacqueline Lentzu, who 
we interviewed at the Atlanta Film Festival a few years ago, uh, she uh, came in and and let me know that uh, she's a graduate. She's actually she's actually done two other shorts, I believe, and is moving on to her feature, Jacqueline Lentzu. Uh She's in, she's from Greece, and she is extremely talented. And so it does not surprise me at all that she's uh, she's going to be moving on to features, and I'm sure it's going to make a big splash. And uh, so the London Film School is obviously a great place to go and study study how to make movies. Um, so no other reason, you know, you need, if you're going into film school, you know, maybe you want to check this out because uh, they obviously got good people. And uh, uh, Yinju had, uh, had met, like as Jacqueline had, uh, had met Mike Lee numerous times and has come in and uh, he is uh, she described him as uh, incredibly smart and funny but also cantankerous sometimes and uh, and uh, maybe a little impatient. I said, well, that's you know we had a great talk a few years ago, but he really doesn't suffer uh, foolishness very easily and. And that is amongst his peers, I guess, and also also even film reviewers. You know, if they're not prepared, he will, he will, he will not, uh, he will break your ridicules, and he will not. Uh, uh, you know, if he gets a question that he doesn't doesn't care for, he doesn't think it's studied or it's unfair, he will call you out on it. And so apparently, he's uh, very much in that same realm when he's uh, in the. Uh, instructor mode and uh but she loves him uh yinju and uh and uh so we had a great time talking then we were at the party and everything and <clears throat> and at the uh at the uh at, you know afterwards and uh in true scorpio fashion <laughs> you know uh i think uh you know i was uh, i had a hard time finding her I had uh, struck up a friendship with a short filmmaker from uh, Japan who was uh, in Atlanta for the first time and had a uh, had a sort of Stan Brackage like uh, uh, experimental animated movie at the at the festival that I'm gonna I asked him to send to me, uh, but uh, uh, you know I was hanging out with him and uh, showed him some of the uh, you know I collect Atlanta movie ads. And so I had some of them with me just to illustrate to people some of the artwork that I do. And uh, so I pulled some of these out, up, and he, uh, this Japanese filmmaker, uh, whose name I don't have right here, but uh, 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 he uh, really brightened up at looking through these, and, you know, they're all from the 70s. And I happen to have Star Wars, the ad for Star Wars, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on May 23rd or whatever, of 77 or 27th or whatever. And um, uh, he really sort of brightened up at that, and I just gave it to him. I said, well, I give this to you as a as a gift, as a reminder, and hang it up or, you know, uh, you know treasure it or <laughs> put it away someplace or whatever, you know. But I just thought you would like this as a as a. And thank you for coming to our city and uh, being here. He was very, very nice, very, very good guy, and uh, hopefully uh, we will keep in contact. But uh, one of 
final two movies that I'm doing with features is a <clears throat> new uh, film uh, by somebody who's never done a movie before, but uh, uh, as a debut film, this one could not possibly be better. And uh, you may name know the name Bo Burnham. Uh, he is a uh, YouTube star. Um, I haven't ever really taken a look at his YouTube work. He is also, uh, but he's got millions of followers. Uh, and uh, he is uh, also a stand-up comedian. Um, and he has written and directed a fantastic movie, fantastic, called Eighth Grade. Elsie Fisher is the is the main character, Kayla, and she is a fledgling YouTube star uh, who is uh, spends her time creating diary entries for YouTube. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So. The topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever, but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like, really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like, so cool. What? Kayla, one more week of eighth grade, huh? Huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? Okay, so growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel, Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little. I'm gonna stop when eating with you hey, if you I'm keep doing You said I could say one thing. I'm really, like, nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way. But you just need to face your fears and let people know they're really you. Just grab my phone, how to charge it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I charge it too. But my, my phone, I... Just because things are happening right now doesn't mean they're always gonna happen. What was in there? Just sort of my hopes and dreams. Right. I was a complete mess when I was your age. Really? Eighth grade is the worst. You never know what's next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. When did you get Snapchat? What grade? Fifth grade. Fifth grade? What? You're <laughs> This actress, who's, you know, as young as she's not older than she's playing. She is, uh, she is uh, really, she is, Elsie Fisher is this young. And, and uh, I would not say that she's uh, inexperienced. Uh, you know, uh, she's been acting uh, since she was uh, six. Uh, this is the first time that I've ever seen her on screen. And uh, she is just fantastic. She controls the screen. So beautifully, 
with this with Bo Burnham's beautiful dialogue that is just absolutely so real. So after we were our first introduced to her, we get introduced to her father, played by Josh Hamilton, who's been in uh, lots of stuff. You know, uh, uh, you know, he's in Francis Ha and in, uh, Kicking and Screaming and uh, 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 Meyerowitz stories and. All sorts of things, lots of television too, and um, he is absolutely. Both of these performances are, I would say, Oscar worthy. I don't, maybe, <laughs> maybe Oscars uh, won't remember it, but certainly the Indie Spirit Spirits will. Uh, this comes out later this summer, and it's a perfect summer movie. Summer movie kind of counter programming. To you know the uh, onslaught that we usually get in the summer of uh, action and so forth, but this is a <clears throat> this is a really really beautifully uh, observed uh, comedy drama with real laughs, big laughs, and real. Uh, I would say, uh, I guess, uh, well, there's a there's a moment of danger in it that's really remem- memorable. But uh, it doesn't go overboard into you know actual bloodletting or horror. Uh, but it, there is horror in it, and, the, and there's horror in it. I heard the uh, it, it involves Elsie going out on a date that's ill-advised with a with an asshole asshole teenage kid, and uh, I can hear the audience around me just oh boy, they were <laughs> they were not happy with this character and his intentions. Um, It was, uh, you could feel the tension was in the air and uh, it was, uh, it was thick. We were watching it at, uh, I was in the balcony watching it at the, uh, at the Plaza Theater, which Chris Escobar, the head of the uh, festival now owns. Um, and uh, I was out there, up there in the balcony, which was wonderful to see the balcony open. Uh, and uh, uh, boy, it was—you uh, could just—you could feel the entire audience. Just you know, when an audience is just loving something, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like "ha ha ha" funny, though, though this is. But it—you uh, can just. Feel them being engaged, and this movie was absolutely, absolutely, utterly engaging. Um, let me just tell you that uh, this film is uh, not like a lot of uh, comedies. Uh, it is uh, incredibly well photographed by Andrew Wind. Uh, is it Andrew Wind? Yes, Andrew Wind. Uh, very, very well edited by Jennifer Lilly. And the music, the score, it's got an electronic music score by Anna Meredith. Uh, these are new names to me, but I will definitely remember them now. I mean, this score is one of the best scores of the year. Also, let me just say this. This is the kind of movie that could easily be larded up with a lot of uh, a lot of songs, you know, a lot of popular songs and so forth. But there's only one, and the only one that they use is actually used in the 
in the trailer, and it's called Irenico uh, uh, Flow. Is that what it is? Um, you know that song? Sail away, oh. sail away, sail oh. away. You know that one. Uh, that that song. It's an Enya song, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh so it's not uh it's not filled with a lot of music, uh, you know, like uh, source music or whatever. But that song is played in its entirety and uh with an incredible visual um painting, I guess, of uh of uh our main character's sort of thought processes as uh as the song is playing and wow you know, an indie movie that has a sequence like this, uh, so dynamic, you just cannot forget it. And uh, this this movie is just fantastic. It absolutely uh, just kills us with its uh, complete heart, complete well-observed uh, uh, reality, uh, but with style. Uh, and... Uh, it is uh, the debut of the year. It just is. So, uh, you know, when this comes out later on this summer, please go and see Eighth Grade because uh, it really will uh, knock you the hell out. It is so good, so funny, so emotional, so beautiful in so many ways. Its producer, one of its producers, is Scott Rudin, the famous producer, you know, and uh, so that's this is another notch in his uh, in his belt of success. But uh, this is just something that everybody should be proud of. And again, you know, I think they should really, really consider uh, 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 Miss Fisher and Josh Hamilton for the lead actress and the supporting actor prizes this year uh, respectively uh if not at the oscars which they completely deserve but it, you know they could be blown away by stuff from december but uh definitely at the spirits you know we just hope the spirits um recognize these two performances and this director and everybody else connected to this movie because this is the most one of the most well observed high school movies since John Hughes was around. And I would say that it even best John Hughes. So, you know, you just got to look out for it. Is eighth grade high school? Well, it's junior high, but in in my high school, we had eighth grade, uh, we had eighth grade through 12th. So, uh, so I guess uh, some people might be a little confused in why I'm considering high school. I guess I, I, we didn't have, a, I didn't have a middle school. So uh okay. eighth grade eighth grade was part of my high school. So uh yeah. what was your high school uh like? Tenth. Tenth. It wasn't even ninth. Oh really? I geez, I didn't even know <laughs> yeah. that. Did they I had a that? longer middle. Which mm. is uh which is uh apropos because today as an adult, as an overweight adult I have a bigger middle too. So kinda <laughs> <laughs> con- conditioned me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty damn good, Jamie. Uh yeah, I um 
Yeah, high school for me was a a long uh, a long thing. It was five years. So uh, yeah, it was wow. it was it was nuts. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this the movie is called Eighth Grade, and it's just it's just absolutely wonderful. So I it, it does have theatrical it. distribution. It it's definitely coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is uh it's by Focus Features and okay. uh, good. Uh, Release date, I think, is uh, July 13th, uh, from what I can tell. So, and it's probably it, it premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and this is where uh, where our uh, programmers, the uh, Chris and and Cameron, had uh, seen it, and um, it played at South by Southwest in Sarasota, and the one close to you, going on now, I think, and. Uh, and San Francisco and Montclair and Chicago and and that'll be probably the end of its uh, most of its uh, festival run, and so it'll be out on July 13th. Look for it. Don't miss it. It is a big screen movie. It's definitely a big screen movie. You want to see it with an audience. You want to see it with people. You want to feel the laughter and you want to feel that place just quiet down when it gets serious. And uh, it was just so recognizable and wonderful, so wonderfully well-observed, and a real hell of a debut from Bo Burnham. Just He should be, he should be ridiculously proud. Um, okay, so the final film, and then we'll wrap up. Um, the final film was my favorite. Jeez, uh, I'm crying already. God damn it. <laughs> my favorite film of the festival. I knew that I had to see this movie instantly. I knew it was going to be a sellout in the big auditorium at the rich uh, auditorium at the High Museum, uh, which is also where I saw a couple of other movies at the at the festival. But uh, uh, so the, uh, the film is called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And is directed by Morgan Neville, the Oscar-winning director of 20 Feet from Stardom. And this is his new movie about, as you might guess, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and his journey from being a Presbyterian minister to being a full-fledged television star. And not only a television star, but a real guiding, guiding voice voice for uh for young children uh, everywhere particularly in America uh but uh this is uh you know this is just this is just a movie that just got got me immediately A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. I want to tell you something. What would you like to tell I like you. I like you, my dear. Thank you very much for telling me that. You take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star, yet... It worked. Hello. 
I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with the child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? On divorce. Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? So, for instance, in the, sh in the movie, they show clips of him discussing with one of the characters in the, in, you know, in the show, you know, the, the land of make-believe and, and so forth, and Mr. McFeely and everything like that, and, you know, the puppets, which were all the puppets, you know, were, were Fred Rogers' voice and were operated by Fred Rogers. So almost all the characters in uh, in the show were, were, were sides of Mr. Rogers. And uh, so... He has, you know, he has them discussing what is one of the, uh, I guess one of the characters is uh, Daniel Tiger, uh, uh, the little sort of innocent tiger with a wristwatch that um, that is sort of like the childlike, uh, you know, the uh, the surrogate child on the set there in the show, and uh, when they're not having real children there. Uh, and uh, he he asked what a what an assassination is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this show did not shy away. You know, did not shy away from almost any subject matter, and making it understandable and manageable for children. And uh, that was one of the things that I really loved about it. Another thing that uh, the movie explores is uh, it's uh, sort of uh, giving nature in terms of having black characters and so forth. And even one of their black actors who's playing uh, the policeman on the, uh, in, the, uh, in the Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood <clears throat> is a uh, uh, you know, is interviewed in the film, and uh, 
there are talking heads in this movie, but there's not a lot of it. There's also little animation pieces and everything, but what really keeps you going through it, I mean, there's nothing that doesn't cut, stop you from keeping going in it, but it is just an amazing uh, compilation of, of uh, clips and uh, insight. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, so this character, you know, the uh, black policeman, uh, the actor uh, is found out to be gay. You know, he was in a marriage, an unhappy marriage, and he gets out of that, and he starts, <coughs> in his private time, starts going to um, gay bars, and this gets back to Fred Rogers, and he says, you can't keep going on like this. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you know, I mean, uh, he's a minister, and he he just doesn't he doesn't like where this is going and but uh eventually you know he he gets to a place of understanding with the actor and and actually uh you know uh ends up uh you know counseling him and this actor um uh, uh Francois Scarborough Scarborough Clemens is um you know eventually he comes to comes to regard him as a as a father figure as a as a you know a surrogate father figure that he he really loves and uh uh just want to mention too that yo yo ma the famous cellist uh is also uh you know uh, interviewee here uh along with lots of the cast members and so forth and fred rogers widow uh joanne um and uh you know i how many great things can I say about a movie? You know, uh, uh, you know, I could just go on and on and on about this movie, but I won't. I won't reveal a lot of the stuff in it. I will just tell you that this, absolutely, so far, is the best movie of the year. What a movie year this is! It is just, it is just on fire this this year, and. Uh, if this movie does not win the documentary award, just I don't know what. It is just a stunning, stunning subject matter. Uh, it was sold out. That's 500 yeah, seats, 500, 600 seats in this place sold out. People were crying five minutes in. You could hear the sniffles. Uh, it was extraordinary. You know, and uh, you know, I do like to see movies at a festival that I'm not going to have a chance to see anyplace else. But you know, in reporting for this show, I have to balance, you know, what I'm going to, uh, you know, what I'm going to. Well, this, this, report is, this on. is the movie that everyone would want to know about. Yes, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Talk, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it was my, it was absolutely you know a priority for me to get in there, and I went with my friend Gary did Vaughn. All, I didn't. Did, yeah. did it also feel like uh, particularly meaningful because of what we're living in today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, it is a it is a it is a movie that uh, addresses today. Um, uh obliquely uh not um not uh, 
uh, not with overt references, uh, right. but it, it does it does obliquely uh, address that uh, our sort of uh, uh, fractured um, uh, political and social state. And uh, I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it's absolutely relevant. It's a, it's, it, it is also absolutely a trip down memory lane. And uh, I invited my friend. Uh, 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 Gary Vaughn to come and join me. He's a musician that I sometimes uh, join on. Uh, play, I play congas and bongos and and sing, and so I do very uh, very accurate um, harmonies to his leads when we play out some at some Atlanta places, you know. And um, uh, it's not a regular thing, but it's special when we do get together, and we're going to make it make it a habit to get together. You know, later, but uh, it was a little stressful. You know, it was, I was a little stressed going in because I, you know, it was, uh, it was hard to meet up with him. You know, he was busy that day. He was literally digging a ditch <laughs> that day, so he had to he had to catch a shower and everything. And he he literally arrived like as everybody was being let in, and I had to give him my buddy pass and and so forth, make sure he got it and. Father Dew and I went inside and got my, got the seat, and, and the place was filling up. I put my bag over there to save it for him and everything, and it was it was stressful, but I I was definitely ready to enjoy myself, and I knew that it was going to be worth it, and I absolutely was correct. By the way, let me backtrack a little bit and go back to talk about the uh, just the closing night party after eighth grade, which which was a real event. Uh, this was. Uh, spectacular! What they had to do to pull this off, I just don't know. But uh, Chris and the organizers uh, had the brilliant idea of uh, contracting school buses to take, uh, you know, pass holders and so forth, anybody who wanted to go, um, to the closing night party, which was at a uh, place in uh, sort of far away from Atlanta on uh, – on a sort of industrial area of town called uh, Peachtree Industrial, and I didn't really have any idea where they were going, you know. And I'm a non-driver, so I, I said, you know. Uh, and then I had my mother coming pick me up, you know, from places, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the night, and so this is stressful on her, and uh, it was, uh, you know, stuff, you know. And I'm carrying a a little, you know, <laughs> cell phone from like 2000, the year 2000 or something, you know, that's a flip phone, you know, and it's crazy. And and uh, so that's all I have to get a hold of her. Well, I don't know. It's it's weird. So I'm I'm like a, a walking around most of the time in another era. But uh, so <clears throat> I get on this bus and I'm thinking, oh, we're just going a little ways and they're not telling us where this thing is, and I didn't know where Third Rail Studios was or anything. There's no reason I would because it's way out in Petrie Industrial, you know. It's like it's it's way, way out there. This thing with these, these two buses filled with, you know, people uh, went all the way out down, the down you know, 85. Like, <laughs> I was like, where the heck are we going? It was, we were in the bus for like 30 minutes. Uh, and um, it was 
it was I I kind of appreciated it because you know I don't get out of Atlanta even to go to to, to some place like Peachtree Industrial very often. So to me, it was like a, it's where all the car dealerships and everything, and we went even past the car dealerships, and uh, so. And uh, Third Rail is a big, uh, you know, studio out here. I'm not quite sure what shoots out there, but almost anything could. And um, and uh, the party out there was uh, great. And I I met a commissioner of the Fulton County Arts uh, Council. Uh, I met her out there and uh, her husband and um, a few other filmmakers. And uh, you know, I. You know, I, just like in high school, <laughs> I uh, I kind of gravitate away from the crowd, you know, and I go out and go hang out with the with the people with the <laughs> with the bad kids at the smoky area, you know, because uh, I'm still a smoker, and that's uh, uh, gonna end soon. But I just went out there and uh and uh, had so much fun uh talking to them and they gave me some real great advice and I hope I can find their cards again. I've got to look for them. But uh uh they gave me some really great advice about uh you know submitting my artwork, my visual artwork to the uh Georgia Council for the Arts and uh and so forth, you know, to get it shown or uh you know, get it sold or whatever. And really great advice, and they were so kind that, uh, you know, once we were kind of worn out uh, by the party and everything, um, I had trouble, like, getting food and stuff or uh, anything. You know, I mean, the food was available. It's just, it, it, it's uh, you know, I, I carried my own food, you know, just out, out of, just out, you know, to be safe so I don't pass out or whatever. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it, you know, meeting up with, this is what festivals are all about. They're all about, they're not just about the movies. They're about connecting with artists. They're about connecting with viewers, artists and viewers connecting. And I really think that it should also be about artists watching other artists work. I don't think that happens enough at film festivals. I think a lot of artists go and they just go to be at the party for their own film and they forget to go to other movies. And you really should, if you're going to a film festival, you should go to other people's movies, short movies, features, even if they're not there to meet or whatever. Uh, I understand the impulse to go out and uh, party with your crew and also uh, and also to network. All that stuff is, is good, but... Uh, um, a film festival is a marathon. It's not only a marathon for uh, the uh, people who are uh, volunteering and the people who are, you know, getting paid to run it. And and uh, but it's a marathon for the attendees as well. And uh, you know, hell, I had to take a break in the middle of the week. I said oh, it started raining really bad, and I said I'm not going to a film festival in the rain. I'm sorry. And, uh, they had a they had a little problem with rain this one. Even the last the last night had a kind of a tough tough problem with uh, uh, with with rain issues and so forth. Uh, what is that? What is that noise? Is that <laughs> um, so? Anyway, uh, it was a magnificent festival, 
Atlanta Film Festival just seems to be getting better and better every year. And uh, in the hands of Chris Escobar and his team, which are wonderful and really fun to talk to you and, and convene with, I had so much fun talking with so many people. Um, I just forgot about uh, my sort of uh, world that I'm in back in right now, you know, my room right here, and I'm all safe <laughs> and uh, just uh, warm and safe and cuddly and two two little kitties and, and my computer and my music and movies and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, feel safe, you know. But, uh, you know, I would not trade the uh, film festival experience, any film festival experience for the world. I just uh, I just so adore them. They they bring me back to life, and, and, uh, and I so respect this film festival for truly embracing uh, its attendees and its artists and its, uh, its volunteers and, uh, and, and the movies. And, uh, and uh, I just think it's expertly run. And uh, I just can't, uh, you know, I can't say anything, anything negative about it. So, uh, you know, it's just a, I, I feel really great about uh, going. And uh, it was work. It is work. <laughs> you know, it is, it is tiring. Uh, I, coffee is, uh, I think coffee is running through my veins, you know. If you, <laughs> if you, it's, it's going to be cream and sugar coming out of my veins if you cut them open. But, uh, geez, I, I such had, I so had a good time. And so I cannot recommend the Atlanta Film Festival enough. And I guarantee you the next one will be great too. And uh, so, if you're in the I'm glad, region, I'm glad you did it. I'm yeah. glad you got out there and rubbed shoulders and socialized and saw good movies. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was just such a thrill. And so, congratulations to everybody connected to it, and uh, and uh, and thank you for <laughs> letting me go on and on because. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know. And, no, thank you, bud. Yeah. Gave our listeners the inside scoop on movies they won't be able to see for months, so that's that's good. So, good. what would you like to have as a closing song, Jamie? Would you like you. to? How about that? How about that Inya song? <laughs> the Inya song, or would you like? Won't you be my neighbor? Oh well, won't you be my neighbor? Isn't that like thirty seconds? I I think there might be a longer version, but I'm not sure. So okay. I guess we will. Well, if there's, we will, if there's a tra- if there's a trailer for the movie, I'm going to play it during your talking about it. Oh yes, yeah, sure. Okay, well that that makes sense. But uh, yeah. By the well, way, did why, you not? Know, did you know <laughs> why, why not? Why not, Daniel? You know. <laughs> uh, a why few not? Years ago, we actually we actually had Mr. Rogers' neighbors on the show. Oh really. Yeah, which, which he, he had some kind of beachside house or beachfront house, and uh, his neighbors made a movie about him years ago. And his actual neighbors, <laughs> oh, <laughs> they came on the they came on the show to talk about it. Wow, <laughs> what? Uh, geez, I have to I have to find this now. <laughs> you know, 
uh, for the listeners, can you tell them like what episode that is or who who the Shit, guests no. were? <laughs> I don't know, dude. We've we've had a thousand thirty four episodes or something, so I, I don't know what episode it is. I don't. I can't even recall the name of the movie. Well, um, I can tell you that. Uh, let me just tell you uh, right now that I was going around telling everybody about Movie Geeks United. I had done these cards. Uh, what I did was I uh, I went to uh, Office Depot. You know, to buy cards, you know, can be expensive, I guess. Uh, or I, there are places that you can get them online. You know, that they're fancy and everything, but and they're not expensive. But um, I like to do something different. So what I did was I went to Office Depot, and they have blank cards that are, you know, easily torn apart and, uh, and uh, you know. So I did, uh, I hand-wrote ten of them, ten to a page, and had Dean Treadway, the blog, movie, uh, the, the podcast, Movie Geeks United, my blog, Filmicability, my contact info, and the site for where you can see my art. And that was mm-hmm. the three lines. And I wrote them all out very nicely and uh, and uh, very, very distinct. And literally everybody that I gave them to, like, just their eyes popped out. Because, you know, when you make the copies on the other 30 pages, <laughs> you know, and then tear them apart, you get a big old stack of things that it looks like you just wrote out. Yeah. And uh and people just <laughs> just loved it. They I got one suggestion from one filmmaker that said said I should uh a screenwriter who suggested that I uh uh put in a um a little caricature of myself in a little box like some people do a picture of themselves. And I said that's a great idea because I already have a caricature uh ready. I used to do caricatures of myself all the time comics with myself in them so uh so that's all ready to go for the next batch so next year there will be a caricature included in the thing so but they're very neat cards and and I left them in various places and they did get snatched up so that's good and uh so yeah, I'm not the restroom <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's fun. this is another funny thing too Christopher Escobar now owns the Plaza Theater here on Pasta Leon, and uh, this just sounds strange, but he's he likes my art, my movie ad artwork, and he actually owns a couple of pieces, uh, and uh, he wants me to uh, do uh, research into the last the the history of the Plaza Theater in Atlanta, which started in 1939, and. Uh, uh, became a porn theater in the 70s and then uh, closed down for a few years in the late 70s, early 80s, and then reopened. That's the LaFont Plaza Theater. George LaFont is one of the theater mag- movie theater magnets here in Atlanta. And uh, and that's when I, I started working for the Plaza Theater when George LaFont opened it. George Lafond is now retired from the theater business. Uh, he just recently retired, and he's a giant in our town. Um, he has uh, been responsible for bringing us many uh, independent 
uh, foreign films and uh, and uh, you know just mainstream movies too. And uh, even at one time, you know, the Plaza was a two dollar theater or something, so second runs and so forth. But he is just a giant, and uh, so anyway, the Plaza Theater is uh, you know always undergoing. Uh, renovations and so forth and it's been around since 39 like I said and uh, it has a wall full of movie posters and if you go on YouTube and key in my name Dean Treadway you will see me taking you through the uh, lobby of the plaza where I point out some of the posters that I contributed to the wall uh, posters for things Anything that was older is really mine. Uh, so uh, when dinosaurs ruled the earth and tattoo and uh, coming at you and soul patrol and sweet sugar, uh, I, this uh, just a few of the ones that I uh, contributed to the wall uh, as tribute to how great I think the plaza is, which really I think the plaza is just the greatest movie theater uh, in the town right now full-time movie theater other than the Fox Theater, which when they show movies, that's an event. But uh, it is uh, an honor for me, even though it is going to be in the bathroom. <laughs> I told Chris that, uh, you know, I, you know, we still haven't ironed out what, what the thing's going to be, what the project's going to be, uh, uh, how exactly we're going to incorporate my work. But he wants me to go back into the microfiche uh, at the Journal Constitution or at the, at the library <clears throat> and uh, research the entire history of the plaza uh, through the ads. Uh, what played there? When did it play? And, uh, and you know, he's mindful of, uh, he's mindful of, you know, stepping on any rights issues and so forth. But I think that, uh, you know, as, a, as an artist who works in these kinds of things with these collages and so forth, I think it's, uh, I think the art is in the placement of things and not necessarily just, uh, it's, it's not a piece uh, what I do with these pieces is not like plagiarism or something like that. It is a tribute, and and the art is the uh, is the completion of the piece. You know, it's the <clears throat> it's the placement of things and the and the curation of it. And the uh, and uh, when you look at one of my pieces, uh, you just freaking fall in it. And uh, it's uh, it's transfixing. You when you when you get one. You just uh, you just can't stop looking at it. You just you just can't, especially if you're a movie lover, you know. And I try and, but I can do music and all sorts of things. I could do cars and almost any subject matter that you wanted to do: horror, uh, you know, drama, foreign movies, uh, of course, movie-related stuff, almost any genre. And uh, you know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, if that's what you love, man, you're going to love one of these things. I'm not just doing a commercial here. I'm saying, but if you want one, you know, I can I can make one small. I can make one big. Uh, small will be less expensive. Bigger will be more. And, uh, but uh, they are, I, when I, I've only got one of them hanging up in my place, okay? Uh, the only other one that I had 
I gave to Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so he's got the only other one. Uh, I don't even have a photo of that one. But uh, so Burt has one, and when he when he saw it, he was instantly transfixed by it. And uh, I this one was unusual too because I usually do them uh, horizontally, like a movie screen. But this one I did uh, vertically. Uh, so uh, it has vertical ads almost. Uh, it's very unusual. It almost looks like film strips. Um, and uh, and he just said, <laughs> Bert, you know, just to remind people if they haven't listened to the Bert episode, uh, when he first saw it, he said, oh, my God, look at this. He said, he said oh, I hope Clint doesn't have more movies on here than, than I do. <laughs> And I, I said I don't know, but it'll be fun for you to see, you know, because they weren't all Burt movies, you know. Uh, so it'd be fun, fun for you to see who who comes out. I already see. Uh, I know I see at least eight Burt movies. There's uh, everything you want to know about sex, and there's Skullduggery, and there's uh, you know a few others. Uh, you know, there's White Lightning and, and Deliverance, of course, and. And uh, there's a few, a few of you in there, but but uh, I don't know. It'll be a horse race. We'll see who. <laughs> tell me, tell me who comes out uh, in first place. But uh, I have a fantasy of him just uh, looking at it every day, and I I love that. <laughs> I just I love it. So, and uh, anybody who gets one, whether as a gift, I do give them as gifts, uh, and uh, as a, a, a or in purchase. Uh, well, just know that the purchase really helps me. It really, really helps me a lot. It helps me do things, and I want to. I want to do more things. I don't just squander it on candy and <laughs> candy and gum. I want to. I want to do more art. And uh, geez, I. Uh, you know, if you want to get one, just let me know. And <laughs> you know, just contact contact me at jdtreadway dot uh, at at gmail. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we can discuss it. Whatever you want me to do, I can do, uh, you know. You also have uh, something on filmic ability for it? I do. I have a, I have a, uh, I have a, uh, an article that's, uh, that's, that's posted and I don't have an Etsy page. I don't have, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, anything else really, you know, this is just the only, this is my only little way of doing doing these things but uh you know i could uh you know i could do if you're just into cars i could show i could put all ads of uh not car ads but movies with car movie ads with cars in them or uh, or even guns you know if you were a gun nut uh i'm sorry not a gun nut gun enthusiast if you're a gun enthusiast, I could just fill the thing up with with guns, you know, pointing at you. Which there are tons of those in the seventies, you know. Uh, uh, if you're that. a gun nut, I can uh, I can do a collage, <laughs> a collage consisting of nuts holding guns. It's just for you. <laughs> I can even spatter it with blood. But really, seriously, I'm gonna go in and do some that are in color. At this point, this point right now. They're in black and white, but I'm absolutely going to do some color ones. And uh, if that's what you want, uh, well, that'll probably be a little bit more expensive because <laughs> it, it will definitely, it will definitely brighten up things for sure, though.
Thank you.